Hey, Slingers, welcome back to another week of the Word Slinger podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Today, I'm talking to Reedsy founder Ricardo Fayette about their new discoverability service. You're going to want to hear all about it, so stick around. It's the Word Slinger podcast, where story matters. Build your brand. Write your book. Redefine who you are. It's all about the story here. What's yours now? Here's the guy who invented pants optional, Kevin Tomlinson, the word slinger. Word slinger. Well, I am Kevin Tomlinson, the word slinger. I am so glad that you uh, that you deigned to uh, hang out with me for another week. I'm glad you're here. Um, it's been a great week. I think uh, there's a lot happening. There's a lot going on right now. I had. A, a wonderful opportunity to talk to Ricardo Fayette for the second time, I believe, on this show. Uh, if you didn't hear the first interview, go go over to wordslingerpodcast.com, which now sports on the uh, on that page a nifty little search tool. All you got to do is type in Ricardo or Ricardo Fayette or Reedsy or anything you want, and it'll bring up every episode <laughs> in which the show notes mention that name or whatever so uh, i don't know why it took me so long to put that tool there but it's there and now you can go enjoy it <clears throat> so uh discoverability is a uh hot topic in the self-publishing indie publishing world of course actually no matter what world you're in discoverability is a big deal uh it's all about how people find your work how they quote discover your work so you want to make your work as discoverable as possible uh which is what marketing is all about but marketing can take on a lot of different shades. And so this particular shade uh, is a new program uh, that I think uh, is appropriately named Reedsy Discovery. It's going to help uh, readers find your work through the process, a process of review. So uh, really interesting. Um, I'm, I'm still kind of digging in on it myself. I've got a, a book in there now that's uh, been reviewed. I'm going to Keep watching, see how things work. This is a brand new service. It, at the time that I talked to Ricardo about it, it was um, really just uh, brand brand new in that it was still being tested. Uh, but thanks to Ricardo, I now have a little code I can give you. If you'll stick around to after the interview, I'll give you a code for trying this out. I think you get a little discount or something. I'll give you the details because I'm gonna go look it up as soon as we uh, as soon as we finish here. As soon as we finish this little business we got going here. <laughs> So uh, take a listen to this great interview with Ricardo Fayette uh, from Reedsy. Stick around on the other side. I got some stuff I'll talk to you about. I'll give you the code and uh, and I'll talk to you about some other things that are on my mind. So stick around for word slinger stuff and more on the other side of this interview with Ricardo Fayette. Hey, uh, okay. Now, this is a repeat guest. This is somebody I've had on the show before and I, I had a big positive reaction at the time that he was on, but I'm talking to Ricardo Fayette. He is uh, one of the founders of Reedsy. If you don't know what Reedsy is, uh, you need to get out more. This is a, it's a great online marketplace for connecting authors to the sort of services that they need. Publishing talent who uh, can help you get your books ready for prime time and out there for, uh, for everyone to enjoy. We'll, we'll take care of the getting it out there, but these guys will help with literally everything else. So welcome Ricardo. Thanks for coming back on the show, man. No, thanks for inviting me back, Kevin. It's always a pleasure. So we are, um, we're going to talk about a new service you guys are rolling out. It's not quite released yet. You sort of 
you're running kind of a beta version of this thing right now yeah we're releasing it next monday march the 4th so by the time you guys listen to this we'll probably be out there it'll probably uh, be well out there by the time you hear this exactly <laughs> <laughs> so uh we're talking they you're you're calling the program discovery which hints at its underlying purpose right it's all about discoverability for a writer's work. Can you kind of break down how this service works? Yeah, for sure. Um, so we called it Discovery because when we called Ritzy, Ritzy, no one knew what we were doing. So we thought for our second name, might go for something more obvious. Right. Uh, so the, the idea for authors is really, is yeah, it's to provide a, a new avenue for them to reach readers. So there are a bunch of avenues out there. Um, I know there's, uh, there's places like BookBub, there's obviously Amazon, that is a search engine in and of itself. There's Goodreads, uh, there's pro a bunch of other price promo sites. Uh, but there's still, when we talk to authors, the number one issue that they run into is like, how can we get our books found is still discoverability. So we're, we think that there's, there's space in the market for, for another player to offer kind of a different solution, different um, a different way for readers to find books ultimately mm -hmm. and we want to mix a bunch of stuff that's already out there but in one place uh, we want to involve human curation so that's kind of semi-professional reviewers right. um, we want to involve reader curation uh, so the kind of thing you have on amazon kind of through reviews and people buying books um, and we want to involve also manual creation from our team so a bunch of different ways to create books uh, and all of them focusing on new releases. So if we get into kind of the, um, how it works, as an author, you submit a book to read to discovery and it can only be a book that you're gonna launch in the next few weeks or months. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and this book is gonna be made available to our pool of reviewers. And our reviewers are um, kind of semi-professional book reviewers, people with uh, book review blogs People we've vetted, uh, again, so we're famous for vetting our editors and designers on Readsy. We're doing the same with uh, uh, reviewers on Discovery. Mm -hmm. uh, and people who we know can write a really good review, a review that's better than your average Amazon review, obviously. Okay. And then um, if your book receives a review, um, you decide a date on which it, go it goes live on Readsy Discovery. And it will go live along with, with its review in a very nice um, put together page a landing page for your book, and it will be promoted on that day to um, to our readers that browse reads the discovery. Okay. And obviously with buy buttons to all the retailers, and depending on your review, you will be more uh, you will get more or less exposure, obviously, from discovery, um, and readers will be able to upvote you on there. So you can ask your fans to come upvote you a little bit like product hunt if you're familiar yeah. with that for products okay. and the most upvoted books of every week will be sent in a newsletter to our readers as well okay i was going to ask like how you what's the broad approach to uh to these promotions so the the book goes into a pool uh within the reads ecosystem right mm -hmm. and you guys have your own um vetted uh, for lack of a better word, uh, reviewers. Yes. They choose which books they review. Exactly. They can, okay. a book can only be reviewed by one reviewer. We want to maximize the chances of an author getting a review. Okay. So the books go into a pool, uh, they show up in our reviewers dashboards 
And when a reviewer says, okay, I want to, this book sounds interesting. I'd be, I'd be up for reviewing. I get, uh, they have to uh, certify that they'll have time to review the book by the time the book launches on discovery. Right. So it's important, obviously, to not submit your book like one, one week before you want it to go live on there because right. otherwise the reviewer is going to pick it up. But if right. you give them time, you maximize their chances of getting a review. Okay. All right. Uh, I can see, I could see how that's coming together. And then once that's up, it, it becomes, uh, the work of the author at that point is going to be getting people to go and upvote it. Right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I do like that. This is a little different from uh book bub, uh, you know, and services like that in that, you know, I'm paying a, a flat fee to include it. Uh, but the, but I can use, you know, sweat and elbow grease to try to get uh, the book into, and rather than me constantly having to up the ante with uh, you know, my wallet, <laughs> I can start getting uh, my, my platform involved uh, to vote the book up. Do you, uh, is that kind of how that works? Yeah, absolutely. So that was one of, um, one of the main ideas it's to involve, um, to involve both re both reviewers and then uh, encourage authors obviously to to bring their platform to it and upvote the book um, and and yeah another another big difference with bookbub that is that right now i think a lot of sites focus on getting free books uh and discounted books to readers and there's a lot of sites doing it really well out there i mean word word media obviously bookbub so we didn't really want to to get into that game. We want to get into the game of like promoting new releases of really, really good books, exciting books in all genres to readers who are interested in reading really, really good books uh, right. and paying for them. So it's, we want to attract readers who are not going to read maybe 30 books uh, a month at 0 0.99, but maybe five, 10 books a month at full price. Right. Yeah, uh, I like that because it's a you know it's a more qualified uh, group of readers, uh, which is what I, I'm after in particular. Um, I think a lot of authors are, but we, a lot of us get kind of stuck in that rut of j get them in the door any way we can. So we give away the books, and we end up with a bunch of readers who only want free books. So this is kind of a res resolution to that problem. Uh, it might be, yeah. If if it works, it's going to be uh, it's going <laughs> to be one way to kind of solve that problem. Um, uh, but yes, I think there's, especially through the ways that authors market their books, um, Facebook ads, BookBub ads, mm -hmm. uh, all these platforms, which I use and really love, uh, they do have the tendency to encourage free and discounted books. Basically it's really, really hard, um, to, to sell a book above like two ninety nine through Facebook ads in my experience, where it's incredibly easy to get a bunch of downloads at 0.99 um, or even at pre. Um, right. So all these kind of, the ways that authors find readers nowadays through marketing kind of push the market towards more free books, more discounted books, which is not 100% sustainable in the future. Right, yeah. It's not the strategy I, I want to be my long-term strategy for sure. <laughs> so um, we're talking, okay, so the, the talking about the readers, what is Reedsy's strategy for building up that list? I would assume that part of it is if we're having our platforms come over and uh, upvote, they're probably having to register and become part of your, your whole environment, right? That's yeah. That's got to be part yeah, of it. That's, 
that's the classic yeah, uh, yeah. classic way to to leverage uh, other people's audiences it's the way product handles on it so yeah right. definitely we count on that um, are there any other strategies involved in in uh, growing the reader list nope we're just scouting on authors <laughs> okay <laughs> no, I, no, no. I, no are you kidding are you <laughs> i'm okay. kidding i'm kidding <laughs> oh, okay no I, I mean i was gonna say I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Uh, you know, the authors are going to spend their time and energy and money, you know, sort of qualifying their, their lists, I would assume, but no, of course, good that. That you have more than that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we do have more than that. I think it, that, that kind of model works if you bring something to the table as well. If it's the author right. bringing everything to the table, then they might eat at home basically to keep the metaphor. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but no, no, we're, we're running ads, obviously, um, mm -hmm. to all the usual platforms. Uh, mm -hmm. So again, ads are not the best for bringing the kind of readership we want, but right. we're still growing the list that way. And we're betting a lot on SEO because that's how we've built Readsy. Uh, I think right. we're the number one or number two site in the whole of publishing industry in terms of organic traffic. Right. So we kind of know how to build um, a big blog and we've started a Reedsy discovery blog aimed at readers that's ranking really well for a bunch of terms already. So we hope to basically build a reader list of, um, of engaged, uh, readers that way. Cause if you, if you acquire a reader who's read your blog a couple of times and has read articles like the hundred best sci-fi books of all time, for example, mm -hmm. um, you're, it's probably going to be a more qualified reader than someone who you've reached through uh, a Facebook ad saying, receive like sci-fi books for free right okay yeah, yeah that's uh i agree with that philosophy so yeah that sounds so it's an interesting kind of chicken and egg sort of thing too because you you know on the one hand for a service like this to really be successful you do have to have that large group of readers but to get that large group of readers you kind of need this sort of content <laughs> to attract them in the first place right yeah yeah no absolutely uh which is why we we did an early release to um, to a few of our Reedsy authors who worked with our editors, designers in the past few months. Uh, yeah. So we're thinking they're probably like ready to release their books by now. And we've already got, I think, 50 submissions in a day. Um, so so it's pretty it's pretty encouraging. Yeah, I forgot to say the price point uh, of all that is $50. Yeah. It costs Which $50. I, yeah. Yeah, that's actually, I mean, if, if, if you can get anywhere close to a, well, let's just, let's just say, uh, uh, what is it? Written word, uh, their whole yeah, yeah, bargain books. Yeah. yeah. Bargain booksy and those guys, which is a great, that's a great service. Um, yeah. if you can get close to their numbers, then, you know, $50 is, is a phenomenal bargain, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe a little tougher to get close to the book bub numbers, but it's also, it, it will be, it probably yeah. will be <laughs> Yeah, in the beginning. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, I have to say there's like, there's a risk. It's one, it's one of these platforms where, where there's a risk involved on the author side. Um, yeah. cause you might, if you submit a book, uh, it gets picked up by a reviewer who loves it, gives us a, gives it a five star review. Mm -hmm. Then it's going to get a lot of exposure and you're probably going to get a lot out of, out of it on top of a really good review. Right. But there's a chance that they give you a two star review. Like we, we've got strict reviewer guidelines where we ask our reviewers, to be, um, to distribute their, their stars evenly, basically. Right. So if they read a hundred books a year, uh, they should only give five stars to 10 of them. Wow. 
you know that these are really exceptional books. Yeah, so we're kind of taking the, we want to give a bit more value back to the review because right now reviews are a very, are a watered down currency, like you see five star review. Like if the book is not five stars, then, you know. Uh, so what about the author at that point? Do we, uh, let's say I dropped $50 on this, I put my book in, uh, I, get a, I get a two star review. Uh, do I have to allow that review to go live? Um, yes, but okay. it's going to get hidden. Like it's not, it's not going to be promoted to readers. It's going to get buried and we're going to no index the page. So it doesn't show up on Google. So basically you will not gain anything out of it. Probably right. Right. likely, but right. we won't hurt your chances of succeeding in other places. Okay. But there, right. there is a risk element involved uh, and we know we're going to get a lot of backlash from authors getting two star reviews, yeah. but that, yeah, we're ready to take that risk. Um, because on the reader side, I think it makes more sense to see an even distribution of reviews. Yeah. On a, like if you go to Rotten Tomatoes, there's only a, a handful of movies that are above 80%. Right. right. Whereas a lot of places where you go now, if you look at book reviews, it's all four and five stars, which kind of seems weird to a reader. <clears throat> right. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. All right. Yeah. Well, it does sound like there's, you've mitigated some of that author risk though. If, um, yeah, you know, because the last thing I think anybody w wants, I guess what you've done makes it sort of the equivalent of a dud promotion. I put money into a promotion, but it didn't really net me enough to, to justify. Uh, but by making that a, uh, putting a no follow on that and putting it, burying it in your archives kind of thing, maybe that will mitigate some of that risk. So. Yeah, I, no, I mean, it, it will still be a blow, obviously, to get a two-star review, um, but yeah we don't want it to hurt your chances elsewhere. Well, I guess the only thing that kind of sets off my spidey sense on that is that if I, if I put in uh, and you guys grow, <laughs> then, you know, my chances of getting a two-star review go up the more popular this service becomes. So uh, that would concern me a little just because if they're spreading it out and they're sort of obligated to, to uh, only do like 10 books out of a thousand, get a, four or five star review, then the odds of getting a low review go way up. Yeah. I mean, reviews are the, the curve for reviews is like this. It's basically, it's like yeah. a, yeah, a, a bell. So you're not going to get a lot of, you're going to get a lot of three stars and then you're going to get a bit of uh, two stars, a bit of uh, four stars yeah. and then very few one stars. I don't think we're going to see any one stars really because reviewers, if a reviewer really doesn't like a book, they can stop reviewing it, stop reading it, and put it back into into the pool. Okay. So yeah. I don't think someone's gonna like torture themselves to finish a book that they really believe is a one star. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because uh, yeah, you know, readers uh, have tastes. They have their own personal tastes. Absolutely. So entirely so possible. Want, if, yeah. Yeah. If someone feels like the, the book is good. If a reviewer feels that the book is good, but it's really not for them, they're going to stop reading and put it back into the pool so that another reviewer who might be more, of, um, yeah, might be more relevant for that book may pick it up. Okay. Uh, so I, I, we're not expecting that many one stars. Um, and then, yeah, we're expecting most reviews to be between two and five stars. Mm-hmm. Reviewers nowadays are really used to giving a lot of four and five stars. So while these are our guidelines, we know it's not necessarily going to happen immediately, uh, this mm -hmm. kind of even distribution.
Right. So I think relatively safe in the beginning, but I mean, there are going to be for two stars, but along with two stars is going to come feedback. If like someone tells you that there your characterization, there are issues with your characters or that there's a, like a slow point, like two, two thirds, two thirds of the way in, up in your novel, then maybe you want to take a look at that again or get uh, an advice for someone else. Yeah. So there's an element of feedback as well um, to take into there, but yeah. People are not so going to be happy. That raises a really interesting point as well, because if let's say I uh, I've submitted a book, it's not, you know, whether or not I think it is or not, it's not actually ready for prime time. So I I willfully pay my fifty dollars, but the someone who picks it up decides it's a terrible book, needs a lot of uh, guidance and editing, um, some developmental editing, and uh, it's got other problems besides, and they give it one or two stars, uh, but they give me great feedback and I can go fix that book. Am I able at some point to reinitiate the process and maybe get another review or am I permanently stuck with that, that negative? Uh, that's a good question. In the beginning, you're going to be stuck with a negative, uh, but we might implement it another way in the future if we see a lot of authors actually reconsidering or changing their book after they get the review, basically. Yeah. Seems like a good opportunity to upsell them on some of your services, actually. <laughs> Got a two-star review of $50, give us another $50 for another chance. See, and then uh, you throw in a discount. Look, that was a swing and a miss, but we're 25% off the next round if you uh, use our service to, uh, you know, I'm just throwing that out there. It's a great way for you to- That's good. I yeah. like it. Okay. Uh, I have some- some reader questions if you are if you are up for it there's only three uh i didn't put this out with enough lead up time to get you some really good ones so um first question is from Alyssa asking how how are they reaching out slash gathering slash getting readers and what's their master plan uh for that because they because they are an author platform i think we kind of yeah. talked about that already yeah, yeah, we, we are an author platform. So we started gathering readers. We've got a small list of like around 10,000 readers right now, mm -hmm. uh, mostly fiction, uh, if not like all fiction. Okay. And we're going to keep growing it. Uh, as, uh, as we mentioned, like there's the authors getting involved uh, right. when asking their platform to a book. There's um, some ads, but there's mostly SEO. Um, so, yeah. Okay. We expect the list to, to, to grow relatively quickly uh, if we don't mess up our SEO game. <laughs> All right. We're going to be watching, man. Uh, Kate asks, how does Readsy Dis Discovery compare to services like NetGalley or Goodreads? So compared to NetGalley, there's a, there's a good price difference uh, to start mm -hmm. with. Uh, then NetGalley gives you exposure to reviewers. So you might get zero reviews, like mm -hmm. on Readsy or you might get six reviews, whereas on Discovery, you can get it between zero and one only, mm -hmm. like maximum one review. Okay. Um, the big difference is NetGalley then just like gives you the reviews and doesn't do much with it, whereas Reach is going to use that review to promote your book to readers. So NetGalley is about like getting editorial reviews. Reach is about getting one editorial review and a lot of exposure to readers. Right. Okay. Uh, what about Goodreads? How do you stack up there? Goodreads, I don't, I, <laughs> <laughs> one of, one of our motivations for creating Reads Discovery is that we think it 
we think there's a place to in the market because of Goodreads, basically. It's a website that hasn't changed in so long that yes. is so so horrible, so ugly. Uh, and yet a lot of people still use it. So we think, yeah, we think we can challenge Goodreads at some point. Um, right now, I think the the differences are, are pretty big. Like Goodreads is a place where you can get as many reviews as you want from like anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Read Discovery is gonna be again, a place where you get maximum one review. And then we use that review to actually promote your book to other readers. Um, so in that way, it's going to be similar to Goodreads in that we actually promote your book and newsletters and we're going to add follow, um, follow buttons. So readers will be able to follow authors. More importantly, they'll be able to follow reviewers. Um, so if a reviewer keeps posting, keeps uncovering really great fancy books, if you're a fancy reader, you're going to think, okay, I want to follow that reviewer because they're just going to like find the best new fancy books for me. Yeah, I was I was going to ask if if you were going to have that built in so that people could follow a specific reviewer because uh, I imagine that's going to help with the sort of alignment of tastes, right? If I grow yeah. to trust Joe, uh, who is reviewing the types of books that you know, he's consistently reviewing the types of books I read, uh, I can trust his judgment. I mean, that's that's going to draw me in as a reader. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. That's one of the big angles. Uh, we were going to use obviously to, to convince readers and that we're using right now. And um, it's a great argument as well for reviewers to attract high quality reviewers, because while right. we don't pay reviewers for their reviews, we do allow them to build an audience. Okay. Um, and that audience can transfer over to their blog afterwards as well. Okay. And finally, we're going to allow, so the, the ability to follow authors and reviewers is going to come up in a week. So by the time you listen to this, it'll be there. Uh, and one of our next features as well that we want to implement is the ability for authors to submit directly to one reviewer in particular. Okay. So if there's a reviewer, as you said, that you feel reviews a lot of books like the ones you write, mm-hmm. you, can, you can submit to Discovery and submit directly to that reviewer. And books that are submitted directly to a reviewer rather than just submitted to Discovery will show up in a special place in a reviewer's dashboard. So they'll look at them more... Um, more uh, more in particular, basically. Okay. So wh- what are the reviewers getting out of this, by the way? What, uh, do they get paid for these reviews or get some kind of bonus points or how does it work for them? They get all our love and gratitude. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, yeah. it's a way for them to grow, their, to grow their audience. All these reviewers generally have a blog uh, mm-hmm. on the site where they do reviews as a hobby. And okay we give them the ability, we give them exposure to a bunch of readers and the ability for these readers to follow them and join their audience. Okay. So that's what they get out of it. The, you, you all should be using our universal book links so you can make some extra money on your reviews. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Reviews should use universal book links on their, on their blogs. <laughs> all right. I got one final question. Uh, I apologize in advance for this question. Ricardo. Okay. Steven says, I'd like, I'd like you to ask Ricardo for some tips on how to perfect such a sexy accent. Dead serious question asking for a friend. <laughs> I think, I think the best way is to be born in Europe, but failing that, <laughs> failing that you can try spending a good amount of time in Europe and try to copy the accents of the people there. I think, I think I'm going to have to do that. I'm going to, uh, go full angle file and go hang out in uh, Britain so I can 
perfect a British accent because yeah. chicks dig British accents. <laughs> Apparently they dig Spanish accents too. So maybe I'm naming in the wrong place. Maybe, maybe it's that <laughs> Amer American chicks just like dig accents from elsewhere. That's what it is, man. That's what yeah. it is. Uh, yes. I told him uh, that it, I think it's because of all your visits to the U S that's the real secret to capitalizing on. <laughs> Absolutely. Spanish, Spanish. That's, that's, that's how I got that accent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the U S so <laughs> this is um, officially it launches March 4th. You said, yeah. Uh, okay. And then once, uh, once it's full tilt, are there features? I know you, you've talked about a couple of features that are going to come online between now and then, or any other major features you want to mention, uh, that are already part of the plan? Uh, no, I think the big ones are follow, follow authors, follow reviewers, ability to submit directly to your reviewer. And it's pretty much it that I can think of right now, but we're going to be, yeah, we're always going to be building features, uh, in there. Um, which is, which is exciting. Yeah. I, I mean, I, anything that helps with discoverability, man, you know, that's the, that's the, uh, that's the holy grail of this whole, um, business. So it is, I'm going to yeah. wish you luck and I'm going to follow everything closely and I'm probably going to give you, uh, 50 bucks a month, uh, as I release books. So until i start until i get that first two-star review then i'm out <laughs> we're gonna have to find a solution all right well, you already got a good review you've got your designated reviewer now you can keep sending her books yes yes so, i'm gonna form a nice personal relationship with this person and uh exactly yes slipper slip her another an additional 50 bucks every every now and then so now i'm up to 100 so <laughs> I know one, one last feature that, that we should talk, uh, that I want to mention is the ability for readers to tip reviewers. Actually, I was literally just going to ask you that if there was a way to tip the reviewers, but it, it, what about ethical questions there? No, but only for the readers to tip the reviewers. Oh, for the readers to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we thought about the ethical questions and no, no, no way for the authors. Um, even if you sign up with a reader account, we'll detect it and we'll book you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we're thinking. I have a wife, Ricardo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no, no cheating the system. That's how people end up. Uh, that's how Amazon got into the state it's in. So no. Exactly. No exactly. All right. Well, okay. So tell everybody where they can find more about this. Uh, since you, it, as of right now, it's not officially launched, but is there like a URL you can send people to? Cause this will, yep. this will go live after the fourth for sure. Absolutely. Uh, readc.com forward slash discovery. Excellent. All right, man. Well, uh, we're going to wrap it up. We're at, we're at time anyway. And, uh, I think it's a great tool. I can't wait to see how it shakes out. I know you guys are still kind of tweaking it, finessing it, and I'm sure there's going to be lots of new features over the next year, but uh, I'm excited to see something like this come around, man, so thank you. great work. All right. Okay, everybody, right now you're hearing the Groovy Bridge music. You may dance in place at will, and if you stick around, I'm sure to say stuff after this break, so I'll see you on the other side. Hear your book the way it was meant to be heard, with a fully custom soundtrack based on your material, an album of music that perfectly fits your characters, your settings. Hear your book today. Sonataenscribe.com. 
Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Ricardo Fayette and his sexy Spanish accent. Um, <laughs> that is uh, something he gets a lot, I think. So, um, And we refer to him, by the way, in the business as Spanish Jesus, which I didn't bring up in the interview, but probably should have. So, uh, Now, if you are... Uh, thank you for sticking around. Now, if you're looking for that um, the uh, code... First of all, you're going to want to go check out readsy.com slash discovery, and readsy is R-E-E-D-S-Y. You'll find a link to this in the show notes, so don't worry if you can't write it down, if you're driving or whatever. Thank you for being safe. Um, But you're going to want to go check that out and use the code WORDSLINGER. Now, he has it in all caps. I like saying it in all caps, but that's going to get you, I don't know if you, it's this is case sensitive, but uh, put it in all caps anyway, but that's going to get you $10 off if you sign up and submit a book prior to March 31st. That's going to save you 10 bucks off that $50 uh, fee for uh, putting your book into the process, so you'll get this for $40 instead of $50 when you use the code WORDSLINGER before March 31st, so go check that out while you're there. Go to, um, I'm going to add an additional slash to the address. But if you'll also go to readsy.com slash discovery slash books, scroll down and find The Stepping Maze. That's my thriller that I've put on the service. Uh, if you'll go find that you'll and upvote it, you'll help me get that book promoted in the service. So I really appreciate it. That's my little bonus. <laughs> but go to readsy.com slash discovery Enter the code WORDSLINGER at checkout, and uh, and uh, you'll enjoy $10 off when you uh, pay for the service. So check that out. That's before March 31st. Now, <clears throat> that is the uh, – that's cool, actually. I, I kind of like the, re- the review aspect of this. Um, I'm still kind of looking at to see how this is going to work out for the authors. Uh, I think they're still kind of trying some things and learning some things. But I like Reedsy. Um I'm a big fan of – how they do business. I know that they are out for the author's best interest, like just like Draft the Digital. I am I'm pretty impressed with how they've worked so far. So, and I like Ricardo a lot. <laughs> so, so go check that out. <clears throat> now, things uh, I hear dogs barking, so I apologize. My dog may go off any minute now. Uh, things have been going pretty well this week in Wordslinger Land. Uh, I've had some really interesting things come up, uh, and I've had some people reach out about. Certain, you know, one, there was a whole, um, this is the preface. <laughs> there was a whole scenario. There's a, there's a website out there. It's like ebooks.bike or something. Uh, don't go there. Okay. Let's not give them any traffic. So it doesn't really matter what the URL is, but they are, uh, pirating books. And what I've determined is that they, they are on the, uh, book bub list. And every time someone promotes a free book, they go download it, and then they make it available on their service. Um, <clears throat> so this is the sort of dark underbelly of using services like BookBub for free for promotion, especially when it comes to free. Which is another argument, by the way, for I, I really don't particularly like doing the free promotions. I don't like just giving the books away um, for a variety of reasons. We'll talk about those. Uh, one is, and I do promote with free books. You should know this up front. Uh, it's been effective, but I think that uh, its effectiveness is starting to kind of get watered down. And one of the problems is that I'm, I feel 
that I am effectively training readers to look for free books rather than pay for them. Um, I am all for doing things that are in the service of the readers, you know, doing things that help them out. Um, and sometimes, you know, I get a lot of readers who are on fixed incomes, a lot of retirees, uh, people who just don't have the money to throw up books, and the free books are a great way for them to have some entertainment. Um, you know, the thing is, I I appreciate that, but you can you can get a library membership for no overhead, costs you nothing. Uh, it's it's your right to have a library membership. So now that you can get eBooks and audiobooks as well as print books um, through your library. Uh, and get them online through services like Overdrive. Go, you know, go check those out. Um, there's really no reason why the authors have to accommodate free book requests anymore. I think um, it's a great tool to get people in. I used free books. I used my first in series free for uh, for the Dan Kotler series for years, um, but it's led to some issues as well. I get reviews sometimes from people who are trashing the book for poor editing, but they got a copy of it, you know, four or five years ago uh, as a free promotion, and I've since improved it or whatever. So they leave these unverified uh, purchase reviews on Amazon <laughs> to say, well, I like the book, but it had its, uh, it has some serious editing needs. Uh, so there's, there's a slight irritation. And, um, you know, arguments can be made that the book should never have gone out before it was fully edited, and I, I have um, stories about that as well. So uh, the the problems here they start to get uh, they start to compound though uh, when we start thinking about all these readers who come in and they join your mailing list just to get a free book. They're usually they're usually the first people to um, unsubscribe or even worse mark you as spam. <laughs> the first time they get an email or they stick around for months and months and months and open every single email and then mark you as spam. Um, I get, I get emails from people who are offended that I'm charging for the books. Uh, I get emails from people who are, who give me stories, you know, sob stories effectively to say, you know, I'm on a fixed income. I made $10 this year. Uh, <laughs> can't afford to buy books. Really love your work. Could you please give me a free book? Sometimes I will, sometimes I won't. But uh, when it comes, what it comes down to is, as much as I love that I'm allowing this stuff to be out there um, as a part of, you know, culture, <laughs> as a part of uh, an outreach and a message, um, I do have a. It is a business. I do have to make income from this stuff. So, man, that dog is really upset. <laughs> I don't know if you hear this or not. I keep hearing the uh, a neighbor's dog barking. So anyway, the thing is, though, I have a I have a sort of complex view when it comes to piracy. Um. So <laughs> I wonder where that dog is. Actually, there shouldn't be a dog running around loose out there. But um, anyway, dogs, dogs everywhere. When it comes to piracy, it's I have a, a an interesting perspective that some people don't agree with but i'm going to give it to you you can think about it and you can integrate this if you want uh, and i change my perspective on this sometimes too but there's this site that is giving away the books of uh, various authors not just indie authors but also big name authors uh, stephen king's got books on this site 
um, you know, uh, John Grisham, uh, everybody you've heard of, actually. Anybody you've heard of and a whole lot of folks you haven't heard of are, um, are basically being hit by this. Now, they've gotten a series, I'm sure by now, much more, but they've gotten a series of takedown notices. Um, they've gotten a whole bunch of cease and desist emails and letters and things like that. Um, mine among them. And, uh, you know, I do, when I find out that a site is sort of blatantly pirating my work, I do go to them and say, you know, you're violating my copyright. Um, you're, you know, here's a cease and desist letter. Here is a takedown notice. You know, I, I do all the things that uh, are sort of required of me to protect my work. And you should. Um, but I do it for the purposes of uh, precedence. <laughs> I don't actually think it's going to be effective to try to get these guys to take those books down. I think that they'll just rebrand and move on and offer the exact same catalog or sell that entire catalog to someone else who'll do the exact same thing and give those books away because they're using it to attract um, viewership on their website to get ad dollars or they are collecting data from the people who are downloading so they can sell that and scam people that way. Uh, there's a thousand ways that this could be uh, that this could be used for nefarious purposes. The uh, and the giving the free books away it's really just it's the same tactics that we use in marketing. It's just that their purpose is darker and more nefarious. So the uh, the philosophy I've come to though is that in in a real sense, um, the pirated books aren't hurting me. Uh, maybe they are, maybe they aren't, but I, I've chosen to believe that they don't hurt me. And in fact, <clears throat> I treat them just like I treat any free promotion. If I'm going to promote a book and give it away for free, um, I, I relinquish control over what people do with that book. Um, and if, if someone is determined to get a book for free, they're going to get it. <laughs> Right. So the way I see this is the philosophy I operate under is that the person downloading that book was never my reader. They were never going to purchase that book from me. Um, that didn't didn't matter. I could have put it on sale for 99 cents and they still wouldn't have bought it because their goal was to get a free book. Uh, if they enjoyed the book and they loved it, there's a there's a call to action at the end of the book that points them to the next book. Um, and they may go try to find that for free as well. Um but in that sense, they actually are not customers. They're not readers. And my philosophy on this is um, it doesn't matter if there's a group of people out there who are just never going to pay for the books and are always going to find them for free and pirate them. They're, I think that what they're doing is wrong, and I think they're being jerks. But I also don't – I am not losing anything. I don't believe that I'm losing anything when this happens. So you're not robbing me of sales when you steal my book. Um, what you're doing is, is committing an unethical act. Um, you are being unethical, you know, if you steal someone's work. Um, unethical, immoral, however you want to phrase this, however you want to frame it. Um, you're doing something wrong. You're not hurting me. Like, you're not stealing sales from me in my in my perspective in my philosophy uh, because you were never going to buy that book I, I'm, I shouldn't say you everyone listening to this i'm just going to assume you're the good guys uh but the person who is out there stealing someone's work was never the customer of that work 
they enjoyed it without uh, without contributing back for it, without uh, compensating the uh, creator for it, and uh, that is on them. But they were never the customer, literally. Like they never paid a dime, so they were never a customer. You can't say that um, that by providing that free intellectual property, that free book, free movie, free TV show, that the the organization pirating it is somehow um, keeping you from making money because they're not. There are always going to be people who will, are willing to buy your work. Um, the groups that are out there pirating and stealing it, they're <clears throat> some of them think they're providing a service to people who just can't afford uh, these books, right? <laughs> I read that article recently. Um, where a piracy uh, website was taken down and the readers were outraged in protests that they were poor or they didn't have access to these books for legal reasons in their region or whatever. And so they were, um, they were attacking the authors over this. Uh, that's a ridiculous argument, but <laughs> I can see slightly where they're coming from. But the, the idea here is, um, Really, stop worrying about it. Stop worrying about people pirating your work. I love what Cory Doctorow does. So he just puts all of his books, every single book, up on his website, available for free download. Okay? You can go to CoryDoctorow.com and download any one of his books and not pay a dime. Um, he doesn't care. And the reason he doesn't care is because he's, aside from people downloading those free books, he's making book sales. He's hitting bestseller lists. He's making his living from his work. <clears throat> and he considers it promotion, just like I do. I consider it, uh, if someone's handing you uh, a free copy of Quelo Medallion, and you read it and you like it, there is a slender chance that you will pick up um, Atlantis Riddle. One second, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mute. Hold on. I apologize, but my throat will start to get all cloggy and flimmy. Uh, <laughs> uh, so there's a chance that you you may decide, I like this author, I'm going to support his work, and I'm going to buy it. There's also a chance that you may decide, I like this author, I'm going to steal everything he's written because I don't want to pay for it. There's that chance. Mm. Delicious, refreshing water. Uh, there is that chance. Um, but does it hurt you? And there are lots of arguments against this idea, and I understand them all. I just choose a different route. I choose, uh, I have chosen to, and decided that um, that this isn't hurting me, and is in fact mo just more promotion. If you think about it, I have to pay BookBub hundreds of, sometimes thousands of dollars to promote. A, a free book okay um, or this website will just promote it for free <laughs> I don't pay a dime now there are some pros and cons there um, when bookbub promotes it they send people to a website where the book would normally be purchased and your downloads get counted as uh, you know and, and maybe you get a, a rank uh, you know, on Amazon in particular you, you can rank at the top of the free store um, so that gets some attention that gets you some more promotion which can lead to book sales so there is that bonus in doing it through uh, bookbub 
on these sites that are just downloading them and providing them, you don't get any actual promotion. Like nobody's going out and saying, read Kevin's book. Here it is for free. Uh, but if people stumble across that book, then they are, you know, they're getting exposed to hopefully the marketing that you've put in there. So if they really like it and enjoy it and they want to read the next book, they'll, they'll, they'll have to go looking for it. Uh, and they may only find that it can be purchased and not downloaded for free. You never know. Um, feel like I'm kind of all over the place with that, but I'm hoping you're getting what I'm saying here. I've decided that the whole piracy thing isn't something I'm going to worry about. I'm not going to put any energy into it, fighting it. Uh, beyond the sort of token, like, I use what I call the Starbucks philosophy on this. So if you open a coffee shop and you create a drink and you call that drink a Frappuccino, Starbucks will send you a cease and desist letter with some scary words in it. And they'll threaten and they'll say that they could bring a lawsuit against you and that you need to cease and desist. You need to stop offering an, uh, a, a product that uses their copyrighted and trademarked uh, name. Um, now, the reason they do that isn't because they're out to shut down all the mom and pop shops in the world. Uh, the chances that they're actually going to sue you are pretty slim. If you were a bigger chain, maybe. You know, if you were Pete's and you created the uh, the Frappuccino and put it on your menu, Starbucks will probably sue you because you're a big known name and you know, you're trying to profit off something that uh, is actually intellectual property of, of Starbucks. But if you're a smaller group, if you're a smaller company, a smaller business, the chances of them suing you are pretty slim. But if they don't um, make an effort to show that they sent you a cease and desist, that you were asked to stop, uh, that you are guarding your intellectual property. If they don't do that, then if it ever comes up, a case can be made that they don't actually own the copyright to that product, that it's public domain, right? Uh, that the name Frappuccino isn't a copyrightable uh, term. Uh, so they have to def they have to make some effort to defend their intellectual property, or risk it being um, you know just deflated, <laughs> taken away. Um, so I do the same thing. So when I have a book out there and I discover a site that's, that's got it, I send them a scary letter and I, uh, demand that they take it down. And sometimes they will. And sometimes like this e-bike site, they won't, they don't, uh, because they don't care. They are insulated probably by complete anonymity. Um, chances of finding the the actual owners of this site are going to be slim in my estimate. So I don't think that it's, it's ever going to come down. And if it does, it's just going to pop up as a, as a new brand elsewhere. They'll still have their same mailing list to promote it. They'll still have, uh, they can probably just shift everything over SEO wise, start ranking on Google again. Uh, they'll just start over. It's like a weed. <laughs> so rather than spend my energy fighting that, um, which I don't think is effective. I um, I'm just gonna turn my turn my gaze away from it. I I'm not losing sales. I uh, in fact never would have had those sales. So it's not harming me financially. Um, and I don't think and I, you know also I'll just let the publish the big name publishers the big five and and uh, some of the big authors who are, control their their own brand. I'll just let them do the fighting. I don't, I don't need to get involved in that. Um, 
other than doing, as I said, just making sure that I'm taking care of any claims against my copyright. <clears throat> so that's my philosophy. <laughs> so, you can disagree. I understand. If you do, um, it's fine. You have to come to your own philosophy when it comes to this stuff. Sometimes uh, it's kind of like pick the hill you're going to die on, which I'm has been on my brain a lot lately um, because I used to fight all the battles and it was exhausting and I uh, I have the scars, you know, not just uh, I mean there's there's a physical toll it takes on you. I think I I pulled in a lot of tension and uh, rage and anxiety uh, ruled my life and then uh, and it got nowhere. <laughs> it made no impact on the world whatsoever. Whereas if I relaxed about it, let things pass more often, and really focused on the things that are truly important to me, I can make incremental difference in those things instead. So for me, it was, uh, I'm going to stop protesting all the things that I see as an injustice um, and pick, pick the things that I'm going to put my energy into and so that it's a decision and not a reaction. Um, I still slip. I still get offended by some things. I'm trying to work on that. I am working on that. Um, but I'm trying to uh, to get to a point where I'm never offended by anything. That's one my goal. Um, I'm also doing this thing where now that we're going to shift into the more personal part of the program. Uh, I'm doing this thing where I'm challenging all my assumptions. Um, now this is. This goes into every aspect of my life, uh, but particularly the things like when I encounter uh, opposing views to my own on social media, for example. Uh, I'm starting to ask myself, well, like, well, why, why does that bother me? Like, if I read something that offends me, why does it offend me? I want to know. I want to dig deeper and find out. And there's value in this, uh, particularly for authors. The reason that there's value in this is if we continue along on our assumptions, we never make any new insights into how we work or how other humans work. If we're constantly falling back on those assumptions and defending them to the death, and we never consider another point of view, then we don't grow. Um, this, by the way, is not the same argument that a lot of people use to defend... Um, <laughs> I'm trying to phrase this in such a way that I'm not targeting a specific group, even though I have a specific group in mind. But this is not, um, you need to reconsider because you were wrong. This is, you need to reconsider because you may be wrong. And there is value in considering the other side of every argument. Whether or not you're right is almost irrelevant. <clears throat> you, can, you can be right uh, and still be closed-minded. You can be open-minded and still uh, cling to your, you know, not cling to, but you can be open-minded and still be completely justified in your positions in, and in your assumptions. Uh, but you should always question assumptions. The philosophy I'm operating on is um, question all assumptions. All assumptions should be considered bad, even though all assumptions are not bad. You should consider every assumption bad until you have challenged it. And you should probably always challenge it because new things come to light all the time. New information, new perspectives, new ideas. We as writers have an obligation to be open to uh, taking in these ideas, uh, processing them, 
and learning how to articulate them. Uh, that, that's what I feel the obligation of the, the writer is. This is why I argue that you should read widely. Uh, you know, there is a lot of, there's a lot of really good justification for reading in your genre. You should know the tropes of your genre. As a thriller writer, I read, I read a lot of thrillers, which I didn't necessarily read before. Um, <clears throat> and in particular, I read thrillers by authors uh, who write my specific genre, the whole archaeological thriller thing. But I also read other thriller writers outside of that. And then outside of thrillers, I read anything else I can find. Um, I read genre fiction. I also read uh, literary fiction. I read a lot of nonfiction. I read everything I can get my hands on. And I read it in a way uh, that is one part enjoyment and one part study. Everything I read now is that 50-50 prospect. Um, I want to see what's working. I want to I be in love with the language, in love with the way the ideas are expressed. And I want to emulate that. Um, and I want to, uh, to be entertained as well. <laughs> and if it's not entertaining, it's much more difficult to read, but that doesn't mean I should just give up on it. Uh, sometimes you, uh, you have to just push through and eat your broccoli. <laughs> I happen to like broccoli, but, uh, but you get what I'm saying. So, um, that's the way things, uh, that's, that's how we grow as writers. So the big takeaways... <laughs> <laughs> from this episode beyond uh ricardo's new program at reedsy uh reedsy discovery uh the big takeaways i believe are one don't sweat when uh people are you know uh, trying to steal your work they can't really steal it you know protect yourself in whatever ways make you feel most comfortable whatever ways you feel are most intelligent uh you can register copyrights there's been a there was a supreme court um justice ruling here in the u.s yesterday um regarding copyright um just to kind of sum it up it no longer you in in order for you to raise a lawsuit regarding copyright you must have a registered copyright at first i took this the entirely wrong way and and believed that meant that natural copyright was no longer relevant. Uh, but uh, actually, it's the opposite. <laughs> it makes it even more relevant. Because now, you, know, you naturally own a copyright for everything you create. Um, if someone infringes on that copyright, you can sue them. But you'll first have to register the copyright. However, it doesn't matter when you, when you do that, when in the process that happens. So you can retroactively go back and, uh, and file a lawsuit once you have established the copyright because the uh, UPTO, the uh, United Patent and Trademark Office, U.S. Patent and Trademark Office uh, here in the U.S., uh, allegedly <laughs> has vetted your um your petition for copyright and has verified that it is um, accurate. So what, if that's if that's the case, then the court will look at it and say, okay, a U.S. office, federal office, regulated office has verified that this copyright belongs to author X. Therefore, our judgment is in favor of author X. And you can challenge, if someone decides to copyright out from under you, you can challenge the copyright uh, in a very a variety of ways, 
um, to reclaim that copyright as well. So um, what this does is allow you to continue on without the increased overhead of a registered copyright on everything that you produce, uh, but still be able to protect that copyright retro retroactively. That's a, um, aside. <laughs> That's an aside. So the takeaways for this episode are really um, don't worry too much about being pirated. Do what you got to do to protect yourself. Um, but it's it's not something I think you need to spend too much energy on. I think you can be okay. All right. I know that everyone's paranoid that their stuff's going to get stolen, but uh, it's really just not anything you need to worry about. You're going to have to come to your own decision on that. The other takeaways. Um, if you, uh, uh, you should challenge your assumptions. All assumptions. No matter what they are. Um, even if it's something you've just known your entire life. Uh, or uh, even something you've learned recently and you just assume you understand it. Uh, it's never going to hurt you to go back and spend the time to uh, reinvestigate consider other other sides of an argument other outside perspectives um, and uh, and then you should um, and I've slipped a little and I don't remember the exact thing that <laughs> I covered but uh, you you should always look around you uh, read widely to understand the world from different perspectives so that you can bring that those new perspectives to your writing uh, if nothing else, the argument I've made is that I write characters who have lives that are independent of my own. So if I want those characters to have a sense of realism and depth, uh, to have layers, then it really behooves me to, um, to read widely because now I have experiences that I can bring to those characters. All right. So... That's it for this week. Um, we're at 30 minutes. I'm going to go ahead and wrap us up. But uh, I appreciate that you've stuck around through all this. Hope I wasn't too rambly. Uh, but if you have questions, please uh, hop over to wordslingerpodcast.com. You can send me an email uh, from that site. Or you can you can comment on one of the, the episodes. Um, you know, go to the show notes for the episode and uh, leave a comment there. Um, and uh, you can also reach out to me on... Uh, Facebook, Twitter, everywhere. <laughs> go and uh, be sure to leave a review for this show if you don't mind. If you can go to iTunes, search for Wordslinger Podcast, leave me a review because that will help other people discover the show. Uh, if you're on YouTube, uh, I say all this in the little th wrap up at the end, but if you're on YouTube, uh, go ahead and click subscribe, like this video. Uh, share it widely, share it with people and, uh, you know, make, make some comments there and help me, uh, spread the word about the show. YouTube is, is the underserved, uh, market for me right now. The audio version of this podcast has, you know, close to 40,000 downloads each week, but the, uh, the YouTube channel only has like 120 subscribers. So <laughs> go subscribe and tell other people to subscribe if you get value out of this show. So. That's it. Um, I appreciate you being here. I, I love each and every one of you. Uh, God bless all of you. And I'll see you all next week. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Wordslinger Podcast. Now, you can support this show by visiting wordslingerpodcast.com. That's where you're going to find back episodes, books by me, and links to anything and everything Wordslinger. And be sure to subscribe to this show on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, and anywhere else fine podcasts are sold. I'm Kevin Tomlinson. Thanks for tuning in. We'll check you next time. Wordslinger.